This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. You're listening to an Art House Roadshow movie review. And welcome back, movie nerds, to another episode of the Art House Roadshow. Today's episode is a movie review, and it will be a spoiler-heavy review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So if you have not seen that film um, and you would like to hear our review of it without any spoilers, you can check that out. It's just a little bit earlier in the podcast. If you go back um, a few weeks in the podcast, you will see that um, that movie review. But today I wanted to, as I um, had promised in that episode, to give a spoiler-heavy review to talk about some of the things I can't talk about in a non-spoiler review um, just so that we can uh, cover all of our bases and maybe even do some... Um, predictions about where this is going right uh because one of the things that marvel does really well is that they have this large interconnected universe and so where is this going this is very different um obviously everything that we have watched with marvel up until um you know the new actual phase four stuff which i mean really there hasn't been much genuine phase four stuff i don't think all the tv shows right have been um but, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home, which came out right after Avengers, really is more of a wrap-up of Avengers Endgame than it is um, an actual Phase 4 launching-off point, um, other than the fact that it teased the multiverse, uh, but then, you know, didn't deliver on that. Uh, Black Widow um, was more to set up kind of Yelena's character, who was uh, part of Hawkeye, um, and, and really give that character a good send-off, I think. Which is really great, but um, Shang Chi, um, Eternals, um, Doctor Strange, No Way Home—all of these films, plus the Disney Plus series, have been really the true Phase Four films. And so, um, where is this going? So we'll talk about that. But be warned: there will be spoilers here. If you have not watched Doctor Strange and you don't want to have spoil have it spoiled, please turn this off now and go listen to the spoiler-free review, which is available on podcast. So you've been warned. Um, this is on you. But uh, before we dive in, uh, just a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, please um, leave us a review somewhere, um, wherever you're listening to this on. If it's on uh, Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Spotify, there's lots of great uh, places to leave reviews. It really helps other people find us. So if you really like what you hear, um, please do that. Give us a ranking and um, we'd love to kind of see your, uh, see your thoughts on the podcast. Um, but anyway, let's dive in. So, like I said in the spoiler, non-spoiler um, review, I liked it. I was a little less optimistic then than I was than I am now. I've watched it a second time, and I like it a little bit more because I think I understand a little bit more about where this is going, why they decided to make certain choices about what they did, um, and ultimately, um, you know, what, what, where, and how to understand this movie within the context of the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think this is a major point. 
um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think I was expecting more of an insight of where this was going, like more clear um, direction, um, because there's been a lot of multiverse teases that have happened um, a little bit throughout this, one of which was WandaVision, which seemingly teased uh, the existence of the parallel X-Men universe with Evan Peters' um, Quicksilver coming in, but that, you know, didn't end up panning out. Um, and then you had Loki, which I thought you were going to have a lot of kind of clarity coming out of that show about what the multiverse was going to look like, um, which didn't really happen. There was there was a major villain kind of revealed, which will be back in Quantumania and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, which I'm really interested in, um, seeing what they do with that. Um, and then the, and then Spider-Man No Way Home obviously did a lot of multiverse stuff, and, and then obviously you have this one. So I think I was expecting a little bit more clarity, but we didn't really get that. But I think that I we got more clarity than I originally gave it credit for. Um, and so I think there's a clear direction where this is going. Um, I, I stand by what I said in the spoiler-free review, which is that this feels, and a lot of these movies feel like a look backwards, right? Because um, starting from Far From Home, which, like I said, is still technically, I think, a part of Phase 3, um, it's all really dealing with what happens with Thanos. Like, even the um, Eternals... Thanos, um, you know, Black Widow, Thanos, and a lot of those kind of, like, elements of, like, um, different, uh, different Marvel properties really are looking back. I mean, with the exception of, like, something like Shang-Chi really doesn't address the snap, um, uh, very much, and then Moon Knight doesn't address it at all whatsoever, and so, um, I think there's a sense in which, um, not all of this really um, felt like it was looking forward because so much of the movies were dedicated to what had happened, right? Um, and so, but I think now that I've had some time to think and reflect, um, there's a clear direction. And obviously, it is a multiversal war. That is what was teased in Loki. Um, the Thanos kind of level villain we've already seen with um, Kang the Conqueror, um, and, you know, that obviously wasn't the version that we saw in, um, Loki. That was another version. And so the new Kang took over at the end of Loki as a result of Sylvie killing He Who Remains. Um, and I think the end game kind of, uh, Avengers, which we're building to, will be Secret Wars. Uh, which has some really interesting, um, like options for them to build to and so i think that's where we're going i think the reason like i said that i was originally disappointed is, is that i thought maybe that this would be more like the first avengers movie where you see at the end of it you get thanos like you recognize that he's kind of going to be the guy on the horizon and then even some phase two movies do more with various infinity stones right so uh you tease the infinity stones uh and 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 you get closer and closer to Thanos uh, as a result of certain movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, even at Age of Ultron, you've uh, uh, Thor talks about three Infinity Stones um, and things like that. And so, like, it felt like you were steadily building more to Thanos um, in, I, I think, really clear ways that at the very beginning, like, was already a present issue. 
Um, and so I didn't like, so for example, you don't see Kang the Conqueror in this one. In fact, we haven't seen Kang the Conqueror at all. I think the first time we'll see him is going to be in Quantumania. And so I think that's one of the problems and why I felt a little disappointed. I thought I would have a clear direction, but I still think that that's the direction in which they're going. It's just they're building to it a little bit more slowly. And so Loki, I think, is a very important series, um, especially uh, season uh, season one. Uh, they're just now started shooting season two. And so it seems like Loki and um, Kang the Conqueror are going to be um, really important characters in this kind of Secret Wars element. For those of you who don't know, the Secret Wars um, was basically a comic book run that involved um, a lot of different characters. So in this comic, uh, in, in like the 70s, when these comics were running, um, basically across all these different platforms, which is how Marvel MCU, the MCU, is getting their ideas for the movies, is that you have these isolated films who feature, for example, Iron Man or Captain America or Hulk or something like that. And then you bring them into a larger universe where they're actually sharing space with one another. That's what they did in the comics. You know, you'd have uh, a run of comics of Captain America, a run of comics of Iron Man, you know, all that stuff. And then there'd be an Avengers run where all of them come together. That's exactly what they're doing in the movies. Uh, well, at the uh, in the kind of individual comics, like certain superheroes just start disappearing. Um, and this is the original Secret Wars. Um, and so, like, Spider-Man disappeared from his comic, and then they ran a set of this Avengers Secret Wars, which is uh, these characters from across the multiverse um, came in and kind of battled each other and went home. And now there have been other uh, versions of the Secret Wars, one of which involved um, Doctor Doom, uh, and him being kind of a super powerful villain that was trying to destroy the multiverse, right? And so it's really interesting to kind of see all the different versions of that. So basically, The Secret Wars is about the multiverse. Uh, in the original issue, that's actually where Venom first comes on to play, the symbiote that um, Peter Parker picks up, the black suit. Um, that comes from Secret Wars. Um, so I think that's where we're going. Um, with a multiversal kind of battle of some kind, and I think the person that will be at the head of that will be King the Conqueror, um, who will be a greater villain even than Thanos. Um, and so uh, that's interesting. That's exciting. I'm I'm ready for the ride. You know, in some sense, like uh, one of the things that Marvel has kind of conditioned us for in the previous three phases is that an Avengers movie was clearly on the horizon. We actually don't have that. Um, anytime soon, um, and, you know, so you, you think that we would make more progress than we have at this point. I mean, there's been quite a few movies and actually TV series now too, and that's a lot of properties. I mean, if you look at just like phase one and phase two, there's like four movies and then an Avengers movie, you know, right? Um, and even with like Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, like there was a year that separated those two, really only like one movie in between. Um, uh, one or two movies, one which was obviously Ant-Man and the Wasp, the other is uh, Captain Marvel. Um, so, again, you know, they're conditioning us to see quicker what they're going to do, and uh, um, that that hasn't happened yet. And so I think that's the one of the challenges, I think, that we're just going to have to be a little bit more patient to see how the story unfolds. You know, they don't want to rush this because... Um, the gift that Marvel has always had is to be able to 
tell this story and tell long-term stories very well. And I think that even in this movie, it illustrates some long-term storytelling, especially with Wanda's character that's been going on. And so um, they need to milk this for all it's worth. Thanos got them through three phases of the MCU. And so Kang has really got to uh, be somebody that gets them through several phases. <laughs> uh, phases right and but the problem is is i don't even know how we're gonna measure when this version of or this phase ends because traditionally each phase has been marked by largely an avengers movie and that's not really what we got going on but anyway so i think that's the direction of where we're going and i think that what this movie does even though it doesn't have kang in it, it doesn't tell you where this is going it shows you even at the end with clea showing up and clea is a big part of the multiversal war in the most recent run of Secret Wars, um, that there is some kind of shenanigans that are happening in the multiverse as a result of Loki, um, you know, what Doctor Strange did with Spider-Man and then the events of this movie um, that she needs his help with. And so the, the thing that, um, the thing that recently, in fact, um, that Kevin Feige has come out and said quite explicitly is that the um, is that Loki is actually the series that you should probably um, look at as like the main kind of like um, impetus towards pointing to where the MCU and phase four is going um, and so it's it's one of those things that I think that um, it's um, like Loki is actually the reason behind why there is a multiversal issue to begin with. Like that's the reason why things were all kind of wonky with uh, the Spider-Man spell that Dr. Strange had like committed to. Um, and then even in this film, like with um, kind of the stuff that's happening with Wanda and America Chavez is Kang is somehow responsible right and so it, maybe it's a little less clear on this end but it will be eventually kevin feige has has come out and said that um and but i think again that's that's that was the main reason why this film i thought originally fell flat but i'm willing to at least give it more of a benefit of the doubt and view it in a different light with that kind of information in mind so go back and watch loki if you're not as familiar with it or haven't watched it yet because that will give you a huge clue as to where this is going multiversal wise um but another reason i think why a lot of people are a little disappointed with it and I, I i do admit myself is that this kind of um uh this movie was supposed to um feature a lot of cameos after spider-man or near the time of spider-man was coming out um uh, some marvel um executive i don't think it was kevin feige but somebody close to Marvel said basically that the amount of cameos we're going to get in Spider-Man is not going to be nearly as many as the one we're going to get in Multiverse of Madness. So it seemed like we were going to see like a ton of cameos. I mean, some people even thought that we would get Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. You'd have Deadpool in there. Um, the original Fantastic Four, um, you know, with Chris Evans um, from the early 2000s and things like that. So there was all these rumors about who was going to show up. Um, in this movie and uh, and it just didn't we got some cameos but most of those were kind of spoiled in the previews like the trailers 
And so we didn't get much beyond that. And I think that that is one of the reasons why a lot of people were disappointed as well. And so if you, because there weren't as many, if you really think about it, in terms of how many we got in Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man had all the villains that were revealed, plus two Spider-Men from other universes that were from the movies that we grew up with. I mean, in this movie, you you do get, um, like, Charles Xavier, for example, played by Patrick Stewart, who's the guy who played it, um, played Charles Xavier in all the X-Men movies from the 90s and 2000s, um, show up. But we actually don't think, I, and I don't think that this is the same Charles Xavier whom is from those universes. And so it's not the same kind of cameo as like Tobey Maguire playing Spider-Man from the Raimi universe. Um, so it's a little bit of a disappointment in that sense. I mean, I was happy to see Charles Xavier at all. Um, but I think Patrick Stewart has alluded to the fact that I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Charles Xavier in an MCU movie. And so um, keep uh, keep an open mind with that. I think it's going to be really great. Um, so in addition to that, um, I, I think then to go into this movie with the right mindset. And if you've watched it once, um, I would recommend watching it a second time because there is a lot in there that you can miss. But if you can go into this movie not with the idea of like wanting to see all those cameos, wanting to know um, like exactly where we're heading at this movie, because again, like you know, you could say that oh well, this is supposed to be the thing that shows us where we're going with this. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the mindset of this is much like watching, for example, um, the Captain America First Avenger movie. Um, there was a sense in which that was supposed to be the movie that tells us where we're going. And in some sense, it tells us Loki, it tells us the Tesseract in the second, in one of the end credit scenes and things like that. Um, but I think that this fits more as like a kind of standalone MCU movie that they used to do, um, where there isn't really a connection um, to the, like, to the idea of like, okay, definitively, this is where we're going to go next. I think everyone wanted to treat this like Infinity War, I think the better way to understand this is more like Iron Man 2, right? Where they do the reveal that Thor is coming, um, and that's kind of the next thing. This one ends with Clea showing up and Doctor Strange going into more multiversal conflict. And I think that is the next step, right? More multiversal conflict. There's going to be more stuff with Kang coming up here in Loki, um, and all kinds of things like that. So, um, again, um, if you can just enter into it by thinking of it more as a standalone than as an answer to all these questions, then I think that it's going to be better. But another way to go into it this is to think of this through the lens of, like, a decent horror kind of tropey kind of movie. Um, because I think that's the best place to see it in, is a good kind of horror movie. There's a lot of really fun horror elements that I think are really fun for us to look through. Um, we want, um, like, the thousand cameos. And I get it. I wanted those too. But I think that that'll come in the Secret Wars movie. I think we're going to get a ton. Um, and I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, but here, this was kind of just a tease of what we could get. Um, that included with Spider-Man No Way Home, which are kind of the two main multiversal movies but this one think of it just as a as a very interesting horror movie uh, within the superhero genre uh, feige said years ago back when they did um captain america the winter soldier that one of the ways in which the superhero movie must adapt itself 
is to less to think of it as like a superhero movie with superhero tropes. Like, so for example, if you want to take Spider-Man two with Tobey Maguire as the superhero movie, the guy who gives up and sacrifices in order to save the day and do what is right, right? That's the superhero kind of trope. Um, now granted you see that all throughout the MCU, not saying you don't, but it's embedded with other different genre films. For example, winter soldier is kind of a political thriller. Um, but nonetheless, Captain America sacrifices and does what is right in order to save the day, but it's embedded within that. Same here. This is a horror movie in a lot of ways, and you still have Doctor Strange having to make those kind of heroic decisions. And so the the point of this is not to um, think of it as, again, some type of Avengers-level movie, because it's not. It's a standalone movie that is pushing us towards a larger multiversal conflict, which is, I think, going to be the main outcome of this phase of Marvel movies. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, yeah. And so you do get a lot of um, multiverses kind of teased, but really you don't get a ton. I think people might have thought that this would have been like more insane with how many movies or how many universes you see. Um, but you really don't see that many, and I think that's important um to to check out um now uh there's a lot of things that um i want to get into but i just want to talk about some characters first um as kind of like a starting off point to what we get here and i want to start with wanda because i think she's the one whom is most misunderstood in this film um because i've seen a lot of hate online for her i've seen a lot of praise too but I've, I've seen a lot of hate, um, and the I think the problem is, is after WandaVision, like, that character went un, underwent a huge transformation. I mean, there's so much sympathy for her and all she's suffered, right? You get the vision of her as a kid and having her house bombed out. Um, the pain that you see, kind of her experience when she first puts Westview kind of under her spell with her chaos magic and things like that. You know, the 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 plot of land that vision bought for them to, you know, to grow old. And, um, you know, that's just, it's a heartbreaking scene. And Elizabeth Olsen just captures that emotion so well. And Paul Bettany, you know, for his part too, just ha makes you believe in this romance. And, and I said since the beginning that just even the limited scenes that we got in infinity war, um, with Wanda and vision kind of like in that hotel room and that scene where, you know, they code they pass that TV and Iron Man's missing and Paul Bettany's gonna uh, gonna leave, but right before that, you know, she's asking um uh, he's asking uh Wanda to stay, right? And I you know, I just I don't know what it is. I, I felt like those two actors had great chemistry. Um they really played those scenes well and, and when you get to the end of that movie and Vision is compelling Wanda to destroy him so that Thanos won't get the Mind Stone, um, it is it is just so I'm bought in immediately, and I feel like I feel like she does such a great job, and those two do such a great job of conveying the emotion. They capture it so well, they capture it so well that I'm immediately bought into it. And so WandaVision was an extension of that, just really capturing well the emotion and connection that you feel between these two characters and these two actors um and a lot of people feel like it's a betrayal uh this movie is because right at the beginning 
And I think this is part of the problem. Like, you see Wanda, and then almost immediately she's revealed as the villain, which is part of the trailer. And, and in some sense, the trailer seems to suggest that there's more time that they build up to um, her, like, doing, you know, maybe turning evil. Um, but I think the thing is, is that, I mean, that's, that's a, I guess that's a great trailer in that sense that it does a complete shift on you, um, in that sense. But, uh, nonetheless, like, immediately she's a villain. And a lot of people felt like that was a portrayal because at the end of the WandaVision, she kind of does the right thing. She releases everyone. She goes off into this little cabin uh, to live out peacefully. But I'm not sure that that's true. I don't think it's a betrayal of WandaVision. I originally did. But I don't think it is anymore. And here's why. Because the last scene you see with her is she's... And if you go back, you can watch this. She's in her cabin. And it looks like she's kind of like sitting on the porch kind of enjoying it. But she's very clearly astral projecting. And she's reading the Darkhold and hearing the voices of her children. Um, which now we can confirm are probably from other, uni uh, other uh, multiverses. Um, she's hearing them and she's learning about how to get to them. And so in this movie, realize that that whole scene that you see at WandaVision is actually not even real. Um, the trees are fake. The grass is fake. The house is fake. It's all, um, a hex that she has made. And so, um, I, I think that it makes sense because if you remember from Agatha, the dark hold poisons you right so you saw like the tips of her fingers were black and things like that and you see that even with wanda starting at the end of a uh, wanda vision with her um reading of the dark hold herself and and that is now uh that's one of the first things you see in this film and so if you know anything about the dark hold um and this is a theme throughout this entire movie even any contact with the dark hold poisons you um and she had the dark hold and the dark hold had her and so I think a lot of this has to be read through not character assassination, but really the fact that she's encountered the Darkhold and and it has twisted her mind. And this is why I think that it's, again, not character assassination, but it is the payoff. And, and again, some people may not like it because, again, she's a hero, and this is one of our first heroes that turns into a true villain you do have heroes kind of turn against each other, like in Civil War, which obviously Wanda is a part of. But um, you don't see um, a, a hero become like a true villain in the way that she became a villain, you know, killing a ton of people um, in really gruesome and brutal ways. Um, you know, going to kill a kid, America Chavez, and or steal her powers, like really dark stuff. Um, you don't really see that, so this is the first kind of experience of it, but... Again, I think this is a payoff of a really long story that Marvel has told kind of at the margins of other stories it's tried to tell for quite some time and uh, really only started to see the depth of in WandaVision. Um, and so now we're just getting the fuller picture of it. And, and that is the story of Wanda's pain. I mean, the first time we see Wanda, she is being experimented on by Hydra. Um... And, and it doesn't, I mean, the scenes we see in Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, are pretty gruesome. Um, but, uh, right, so Wanda looks very, like, malnourished in that film. And, like, you know, looks like she does something very violent with those blocks and stuff like that. Um, and so, like, 
it doesn't look like it's great. Like, it doesn't look like it's... A, like, she looks like she's in prison being experimented on, which is exactly what it was, right? Um, she is kind of manipulated by Ultron. Um, and then her brother dies. She, she does the right thing, and her brother dies, right? Um, and then um, she joins the Avengers, another right decision that she makes. And through Civil War, um, she falls in love with Vision, um, and what happens? Vision died. And so she does the right thing, and then something really bad happens, right? And so she goes to Westview, um, and she enslaves a town. Um, it's kind of like this, to have the things that are taken from her. Because when we first see her in WandaVision, she's supposed to be quite young. Uh, not WandaVision, in, Civil, in, uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron. She's supposed to be quite young. Um, you know, you have Captain America referring to her as a kid, um, in Civil War and things like that. So she's, she's relatively young. And so she's experienced great pain. WandaVision, you know, went back and showed just how much pain she's experienced. I mean, as a kid, watching her parents get bombed, right? Like in front of her eyes by Stark Tech, um, and things like that. That is a really traumatizing thing. And then losing her brother and then losing the person she loves, right? Those are severe losses all happening right in a row. Even when she's trying to do the right thing, she's not rewarded for it. Now, you know, obviously in ethics, we don't say that you do the right thing for the reward, but you can see kind of in her mind, she's already carrying this depth of brokenness. Um, and the one thing that she can, she can get for herself, she can't, um, you know, bring her brother back from the dead. She can't um, bring Vision back from the dead. She tried that, didn't work. But she can go get her kids. Like, that's the one thing she settled on. That, that one pure thing that she had, she wanted back is, is, her, is her kids. And so, you know, she's, she's broken from all this loss. And the first thing she does, even before she lets everyone out of Westview, is she grabs a hold of the Darkhold, which as a result of this film, you know, even touching and possessing the dark hold um leads to kind of a poisoning of your mind and soul and so i think you have the combination of her just deep brokenness and 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 pain from all this loss i mean she has just lost everything um all the way to now also being on top of that corrupted and poisoned and so her powers increase right at that sec intersection she learns about magic um, and the powers that she can have. So she is um, absolutely broken by and um, broken by her circumstances and now corrupted and warped um, by the dark hold. And so this makes perfect sense, right? Her, her character, right? And uh, I think that like, um, like you can see that even in her, um, like, even in her mind, like, she's still poisoned. So, for example, um, uh, if you know anything about Charles Xavier and the X-Men, you know that one of his powers is that he's able to kind of go into the mind of, of somebody and kind of, like, find, like, their true selves hidden, buried amongst the rubble. And it's always very visually um, depicted as Charles Xavier, who is, uh, can't walk, right, he's in a wheelchair, walking through the memory in this black shirt with kind of some, um, like, dark pants and things like that. That's always what he does in the comic books. But it's what he does in the movies, too. 
And so he kind of enters Wanda's mind in this film. And what do you see in that film? Like, because the, the, the scene is uh, she is uh, uh, night walking across um, or dream walking across multiverses to the version of uh, her that's in the same universe as Strange in America Chavez. Um, and doc, uh, Dr. Charles Xavier goes into her mind to try and release that person that she is possessing so that um, Wanda will be kicked out of their universe. And that version of Wanda is buried amongst rubble amidst a bomb siren going off and bombs exploding where you don't see. Like, that's still very much a pain that is still exists there inside of Wanda. That's where Wanda has trapped from the, the main MCU universe, has trapped the person from the Illuminati universe. And so I think that it's very important to see that her pain is still very real. Um, her pain is still very, um, uh, like a part of her and that's the site of her poisoning as well. Uh, and that's, I think that's a good analogy for sin. You know, sin kind of enters into our lives through our own brokenness, the kind of cracks that, that brokenness leaves through us and takes a hold of us right at the place of our own brokenness. Not to say that sin is ever permissible, um, in a certain sense, but it does say that it we can understand why people do the bad things that they do because of certain brokenness that they have. Like, you know, the story that I've always heard is like the kid who is bullying other kids at, at, on the bus, you know, he's hated as a bully by all those kids he's, he's ruining their lives for. But at home, you know, he just lost his dad a year ago and he's just a broken kid acting out. I think that in some sense, like Wanda, again, still being uh, just a very broken person, um, is poisoned by the dark hold, and she thinks that this is the way. I think the multiverse of madness is Wanda. It has driven her mad how much she's lost, and the and the dark hold's power over her is driven her to a place of just being unreasonable against who she would normally be. But every time she does the right thing, she's never rewarded, and so she doesn't feel like she needs to do that. She's going to choose something for herself. Um, something to protect her and she's going to steal America Chavez's powers so that no one can ever take from her what she believes is rightfully hers. Um, and so I think that's pretty significant. That's a lot on Wanda, but we'll talk more about her when I do a little bit of story breakdown. Strange. Um, I think Strange is a little developed more than I originally gave him credit for. Um, in some sense, I think the, the kind of things he's dealing with, like Wanda, is he's dealing with um, he's dealing with the fact that it was him and him alone that um, motivated um, what happened in Endgame. Like, he was the one that said there's one way that we win, right? And the one way, uh, we're in the Endgame now, Tony, um, right before he gets snapped away. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've heard recently that I think is pretty interesting, when Dr. West, for example you know, says, I lost my two cats in those five years, and I also lost my brother, and so I'm just wondering, was there another way? And Strange says, no, I played the only hand we had. Um, but there's this kind of moment of pause and reflection when he looks back in Dr. West, that some say maybe there was a version where he actually was the one who snapped his finger, fingers, and instead he convinced Tony to do it. Um, 
which is just really interesting to me. Like maybe there was a version where he he was the one who died. And again, that's why when he sees the statue of himself in the Illuminati universe, their eight three three universe, I think, um, and sees that his version of Doctor, like the version of Doctor Strange in that universe, died fighting Thanos. He thought maybe maybe he thinks that. Um, or maybe he sees that, like, okay, this is what it would look like if I didn't. And so that, that's an interesting theory. There's no proof that that's actually what happened. But nonetheless, I, I think that he's really wrestling with and carrying the weight of that. And some of the, the elements that we've seen, like, for example, No Way Home, like, if you remember whenever he tells Peter that, you know, the, their deaths mean more than their lives um, in the grand scheme of the cosmos... Um, he uses that line here again through Defender Doctor Strange, right? The very first scene of the film. And so you see that one of the things that Doctor Strange does, and this is important throughout this movie, uh, one of his weaknesses is that he um, always thinks he's right. And he, as uh, Dr. Palmer says, that's uh, Christine Palmer, um, played by Rachel McAdams, he always has to be the person holding the knife. He always has to be the one that heals. He always has to be the hero. Um, and so in some sense, it's, it's really interesting to think about that um, as, a, as the growth of Doctor Strange throughout this movie, because he ultimately, instead of stealing America Chavez's powers, which is the thing that's kind of like in the background as a threat, right? So Defender Doctor Strange from the very first scene, he does that, says the line, your death means uh, is uh, more important than your life, right? And before that monster actually stops him from doing it. And a few times the Doctor Strange in the MCU seems to be alluding to the fact that he should do that. Um, but finally, at the end, he doesn't need to be the hero. He empowers America Chavez to do it. And so it's really, really interesting um, to, to see that, that growth in him, um, which I think is really important. Um, and, I, you know, in some sense, like, I think the cost is starting to catch up with Doctor Strange. Endgame, No Way Home, and now this film is starting to catch up with him because his happiness is now the question. Like, he's he's done all this great stuff. He saved the universe, right? Half the universe he, he, he was able to help bring back. But is he happy with it? Like, is he actually... Um, uh, is he actually happy? I mean, the theme that goes through this is that he loves Christine. If you watched What If, you'll know that that was a huge part of that version of Doctor Strange. Um, he loves Christine, um, and what you find out is every version of Doctor Strange you encounter, in some sense, always have a has a romantic involvement with Doctor uh, with Doctor Palmer. So Strange and Palmer always kind of have this kind of connection, and I think that's that's really interesting um, because you know he never gets the girl. That's what Doctor West says to him as kind of that like um, it's kind of like the way to like shove the knife in a little bit. Uh, into Doctor Strange, always got to be the hero, and uh, but she never got the girl. Uh, such a really great line, but um, I think the point that the film tries to get forward is that here's this guy um, who's made some really difficult choices or had to make some really difficult choices, and he really doesn't ever get to be happy himself, right? In some sense, a lot like Captain America whom at the end of that makes the selfish decision to go back in time and be with Peggy Carter and live out his life um, on his terms, uh, take back the life. And so is he happy, right? And you realize that he's not. He's really not. 
Um, but he doesn't make the decision to ultimately do what is best for him. He does what is best for America Chavez. He does what's the best for um, other versions of Doctor Strange. He does what's best for Christine Palmer. And I think that's a profoundly sad place to be, but, you know, it's also a part of the hero formula. Um, and so he's dealing with the hard choices of being a hero a lot in the same way that the earlier kind of phase one MCU um, heroes have to, like um, like Iron Man, like Captain America, like um, Thor. Like each of them make hard decisions that they kind of have to just live with. Um, which I think is really important. Um, and I think that in the sense that you're left with the Doctor Strange, who's been himself poisoned by the Darkhold. Um, you really don't know where that's going to go. Like, is it going to end up like the Doctor Strange of the Illuminati universe, where he's kind of responsible for what's called an emergence, you know, a convergence, emergence, it's a convergence, I guess. Um, that they kind of um, talk about a little bit in Loki, the destruction of one universe and things like that. Is it going to turn out like that? Um, that he's been poisoned now by the Darkhold because he uses it to um, dreamwalk into a body, uh, a zombie version of Doctor Strange to fight Wanda in a really cool battle, actually, at the end, I will admit. I think that's actually pretty awesome. But um, are you going to as a result of your poisoning now, he's because he's got the third eye, just like the sinister Doctor Strange that he fights in the final act. Um, are you going to be bad or are you going to be good? Uh, that's left to be seen. Um, and But I think the growth of, like, he didn't have to be the guy that saved everyone. He allowed America Chavez to be that. And the way that she did it I thought was really great, too. But the line that I love that emerged from this is him telling uh, the Illuminati version of um, of Christine Palmer... I've loved you in every universe. Um, such a powerful line, um, and a, it really speaks to the connection here. Um, just a few things about some cameos, and then we'll get into just some like overall plot things, which will be super quick. I know I've talked about it a bunch, but um, I think it's important. America Chavez, I think, is great. You know, one of the things I thought for sure that was going to happen, she talks about not being able to control her powers, and the one person, you know, in all of Marvel, not just the MCU that is known for helping people with powers know how to use their powers is Charles Xavier. And I thought for sure we'd have some kind of scene where Charles Xavier will help her learn how to use her powers, but um, you don't, uh, we don't get that. You know, there's no version of America Chavez in any other universe, which is really interesting. So she's kind of unique. She's jumping from place to place. And one of the things I think that is um, really powerful about her um, obviously she has some story that a lot of countries are, you know, uncomfortable with, so they ban the movie, um, in their countries, but I, I loved the introduction of this new character. I don't know what they're going to do with her after this, you know, she's kind of off to try and find, see if she can find her moms and things like that, but we don't really know what's going to happen. I thought she, the actress killed it <laughs> in this role. Um, you know, just for having met her, I immediately was bought into her story um, and so it's just really interesting to, to think, okay, well, are they going to use this character anymore? Like, what, where's this going to go? Obviously, she's hopping off to other universes. But in a story that's heading towards a multiverse of madness, I, I would think that this would be something that um, they're going to get into. Um, but obviously, she's not the only other character here. Wong is back. He's great. I just feel bad for Wong because, you know, in the two Doctor Strange movies, he shows up, clearly has a lot of 
great magic, but he he always has the other like he has the enemy kind of get the best of him several times. Wanda gets the best of him, even to some extent the other creatures in New York get the best of him. But he's great. I think he does just a wonderful job. Um, you have the cameos of the Illuminati, which is really interesting. Um, you have uh, Charles Xavier, like I said, um, and you have Captain Marvel, um, which is the um, Maria Rambo um, uh, version of Captain Marvel. It's not the Brie Larson one. Um, and you have Captain Carter, which is really great from the What If series, if you saw that. I don't think she's the exact same one from What If, but... I think she's uh, similar to it. And you have Black Bolt from The Inhumans, which is really great uh, because they use the same actor from that really bad TV show featuring him. Uh, but the big reveal, the big one that was surprising, not hinted at at all, was the reveal of John Krasinski as Reed Richards, the leader of the Fantastic Four. Um, really interesting stuff. I, You know, if you watch Days of Future Past as an X-Men movie, you see them early killing off a bunch of x-men because the sentinels and days of future past are hunting down and killing every single mutant um so it's kind of like a a really uh bad um uh like nightmare to see all of your favorite uh like heroes dying and you actually see them die twice because if you know that movie part of it is they die but they they come back because Basically, um, they send someone back into the future, back into the past, to warn them that the Sentinels are coming. So they move, and by the time that person wakes up, they've actually moved um, and have uh, gotten away from the Sentinels. And so, you know, you you see them die twice, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, but uh, this felt a lot like the scene with the Illuminati felt a lot like that. Here's these really awesome heroes that you've always wanted to see. For example, Charles Xavier. Patrick Stewart in the MCU, and he immediately gets killed. Same thing with Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. Like, you really want to see Mr. Fantastic in the MCU. And maybe John Krasinski will still play that role, but he dies almost immediately. Um, we already got um, Black Bolt and uh, from the Inhumans um, in uh, that TV show, like I said. And so I don't think anyone felt particularly... Um, like upset that he died so quickly but nonetheless it was it was pretty it was pretty gruesome um so just a few more things about the story maybe some thoughts about where we're gonna go um stuff like that but the uh the thing that's um really interesting about this show or this movie sorry is um how violent it is so from early on like you know they reveal wanda and then she goes to Comertage to um, take America Chavez. Um, the very first scene is this violent kind of fight between Doctor Strange and this giant creature that kind of... And the Doctor Strange you see at the beginning is not the one from the MCU. It's one from a different universe. America Chavez seems to kind of always rely upon the Doctor Stranges of other universes to help her out. Um, but in some sense, like one of the things I didn't like is I think the reveal of Wanda being the villain is a bit too early. Um, but nonetheless, when they do reveal her, I, I, I'm, um, I think that she, like, I understand why she's the villain and I think I, I get like how she, um, like I buy her as a villain. Like you, you get into it a little bit more, um, but it still does feel a little rushed. Um, 
you get to see a lot more magic in this film, how the magic of the various wizards work, how the magic of Doctor Strange works, right? Um, all this kind of stuff. I think that's really, really fascinating to kind of see, like, what does it mean to use the uh, mirror dimension as a trap? What does it mean to uh, uh, to see, like, their version of cannons and things like that? It's pretty It's pretty good. So you can see a lot, of, a lot more different kinds of magic from Wanda and from the sorcerers. Um, but... The uh, early on, obviously, you've got America Chavez. She's being chased by these monsters. She ends up in Doctor Strange, the MCU version, who's attending a wedding for Christine Palmer. That's where he encounters Doctor West. Um, they fight and defeat it. You know, that's some cool magic you see, like where he like saws that bus in half with this kind of like saw spell. I love that. Thought it was cool, but it's in the trailers too. Um, one thing that's interesting right here in the middle, they sit down and have pizza. And she asked them about the multiverse, and they mentioned the only really experience they have is like through Spider-Man, um, and she doesn't know who Spider-Man is. And I think that's interesting because she's like you find out later has jumped through like seventy plus universes, um, and she hasn't encountered one where Spider-Man exists. Um, same with the Illuminati. When we get there, like there's no Avengers in that universe. In fact, when you see the scene where the Thanos is dead, right? You see Thanos kind of sitting on this pile of, of rock with a sword kind of pushed through his chest. He still has the Infinity Stones. Um, but really the only people that are standing there are the members of the Illuminati. Like, you don't even see the other members of the Fantastic Four. No other X-Men. No other Inhumans. No Avengers. You know, no, you know, obviously no Captain America because Captain Carter's there. Um, but no Tony Stark. Um, nothing. Just, just them. And so, did they die in the fight against Thanos, like the other characters? Or is it just these people standing there? We don't really know. Um, and so, America Chavez doesn't really give us a lot from, like, what we get by way of, like, Avengers and other things in other universes. Um, but I thought that was interesting. That, you know, um, another thought is maybe this has something to do with the spell that Doctor Strange cast. Um, though, again, you know, she wouldn't know who Peter Parker was through that. That Peter Parker was Spider-Man, or that Peter Parker existed, but you know, people still know Spider-Man exists. Obviously, in the case that Wong and um, Doctor Strange do as well. Um, now, what's interesting is that one of the things you see in this sense is, and this is just a side note: if if Kevin Feige is to be believed, and Kang is really behind what happens in the mess up of the spell in Doctor Strange. Um, you know, what happens in the multiverse here, what's going on in the multiverse as a whole, um, then that might explain why there's a little incontinuity between, like, all the villains knowing who Peter Parker is versus, um, you know, the ones who didn't. So, for example, like, um, you know, Jamie Foxx's Electro had no idea that Peter Parker was um, Spider-Man. And they even alluded to that fact in the movie No Way Home. <laughs> Um, and so, um, and the other fact is like when, like, so Doc, like Morbius, for example, that just came out, um, you actually see, uh, Tombs, uh, the, the, the vulture, um, who is, uh, now transported to that universe, which is clearly the Venomverse, right? Um, and so, you know, that wasn't something that Doctor Strange did. Like, why would, if he knows who Peter Parker is, why would he transpose universes and things like that so clearly there's some stuff that they're still working out and if Kang's at the side of it not Doctor Strange's spell then that's why there's an incontinuity and maybe even Doctor Strange doesn't know what went wrong um, now what's interesting is um, 
the the kind of connection between um, uh, Doctor Strange and Christine Palmer. You do get that wedding there at the beginning, um, and that really interesting conversation with Doctor West, where maybe the idea of like there's again still dealing with the snap and the uh, the fallout of that. Maybe there was another way, but Doctor Strange didn't want to do that because he would have to sacrifice. Um, you kind of get that a little bit in the uncommunicated stuff. Um, but, um, I, I like that kind of deep emotional sense of him, that that's one of the reasons why he's, um, he's struggling in the present moment. He's lying to himself and he's deceiving himself. Um, and Wanda is the one who first kind of calls him out on it. Um, you do see like some really devastating violence from Wanda, some really creepy stuff from Wanda. Like, you know, you have that scene where she's attacking Convertage. And also, this is two movies in a row where um, the the places that are supposed to be, like, fortresses of magical protection feel like they just they just get torn apart really easily. Um, but, um, you know, she destroys it pretty well. Like, there's this really great scene where she's trying to get into the minds of the sorcerers and she finds a weak link. And, you know, the scene where she, like, whispers in his ear and convinces him to run away really powerful stuff she just wipes out all the wizards in Comertage with the exception of like Doctor Strange and Wong and so um, yeah it's great to kind of see like a different side of the MCU it can be more violent it can be more bloody there's a lot more gore in this than normal um, now one of the things again that I think is important is the language of reasonableness that Wanda uses right so she's being reasonable in the sense that she doesn't, like she says, I was reasonable when I sent those monsters after America because um, I didn't, because um, I, I didn't send myself after her, right? Um, and again, I think this is her still thinking that she's doing the right thing in kind of a very warped way, like that her motivations are still pure, but they've been so twisted by the Darkhold that she, can, she can't even see that what she's doing is wrong and not right. She just thinks that what she's doing is mercy and reasonableness, right? And so she's, I mean, she's even snapped away for five years, right? So she's experienced all kinds of bad stuff. And so I think that, like, again, this isn't character assassination. Her kind of violence seems more reasonable than um, other things because she thinks that she deserves something. Like, everything's taken from her. And she's given all these sacrifices, including Westview, and she deserves something. And so she's finally going to take it. And, you know, for example, like, the Darkhold hadn't really fully poisoned her at the end of WandaVision to where she finally does make the right decision and see that she's wrong in what she's doing in her brokenness and pain. And that's why no one dies, right? She kind of lets them live. But as the Darkhold kind of takes hold of her, um, it kind of removes that that actual ability to see the pain that one causes and instead um like uh like just have this certainty regardless of outcome and i think that's really important um and so there's a lot here on this and in some sense i i i uh, feeling compelled to go back and do like a, a recap of wandavision maybe episode by episode but I, you know, no promises on that because I think there's an, something to be said to go back and maybe even it's not even WandaVision to go back all the way to Age of Ultron and chart 
like her specific development, the pain that she kind of feels. Because if every time she loses something, she acts in a very violent way. But the only thing that kind of tempers her are kind of community, right? The community around her that kind of encourages her to be the best version of herself. Um, but also the, um, like her coming to her senses and having a strong moral compass, right? So that's again, what happens in, in WandaVision. She comes to her senses, she sees what she does is wrong, but she doesn't have that ability anymore because now the dark hold has completely corrupted her soul and things like that. And so it makes sense. And in, in some sense, like her dying at the end, like the seeing her, her die, there's that moment where she kind of sacrifices everything. She comes to her senses because the version of her from another universe and her children, again, community, help her see the errors in her ways. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's important. And I think that anyone who thinks or who's lost patience for, um, for Wanda and what she's lost and not caring about her kids and things like that, they're really just not paying attention to the story that Marvel has told about her um, very specifically. And so I think that that's a huge problem um, to ignore because this is a long-term story that they've told, not in the foreground, which, again, I appreciate. You have to pay attention to the details behind the scenes to appreciate all the things that she's gone through. Um and in some sense, like at the end, I don't think she's dead, really, necessarily. Um, but um, I think that this could potentially, and I, I know that they've said that WandaVision isn't going to be a season two, um, uh, has, isn't going to have a season two, but I think that potentially this is where you could do a season two because, you know, she's kind of knocked out. Um, in a certain sense, like she's too powerful just to be killed by a bunch of rocks. And if you look at the screen, like when the thing collapses in on her, there's an explosion of, of chaos energy, which could be teleporting her somewhere, putting her in some type of cocoon, something like that. And maybe when she wakes up, she's, um, she's, uh, like, uh, and maybe this is where you could reintroduce Agatha, maybe like her going under, like into a coma kind of releases Agatha from her spell. Um, and Agatha kind of finds her and uses her chaos magic to recreate Westview. And, and Monica Rambo has to go in and, you know, wake up Wanda yet again. Um, so you could set up WandaVision Season 2 really easily with that. But I don't think they're going to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this movie progresses along pretty quickly. Lots of great horror stuff. Again, I think that's how you should see it. The story is rather simple. It starts off with America Chavez being protected by Doctor Strange from this threat. You find out it's Wanda, and the rest of the film is Doctor Strange trying to do that. And they're trying to find the resource um, to uh, uh, the Book of Ashanti to defeat Wanda and to hopefully bring her back. Um, that doesn't work out, you know, and so they improvise in a certain sense. So the story's really simple. I think what people wanted out of it was a complex story that had all these cameos woven into it. But if you just look at it as this story about Doctor Strange trying to protect this girl and ultimately coming to grips with his own um, journey of being a hero, then I think you're going to enjoy it a lot more. Um, and the, I think the cameos kind of distract from that, like, really simplicity. Um, I love the, um, the jump through all the different universes. Um, and... Um, 
the the where that they land in terms of with the Illuminati, I think that's kind of cool. Like I said, there's no Avengers. It seems uh, maybe they died fighting Thanos, and this is like all literally all that's left. But there's a lot of unanswered questions. Like you know, for example, when Reed Richards is introduced, they introduce him as the leader of the Fantastic Four. But when Professor Xavier is introduced, they don't say anything about the X Men. Um, same thing. Like they have Ultron, but really don't tell you anything about that. And again, I think again, it wasn't the point of this movie to be like, okay, we have Ultron, so Tony Stark exists exists in this universe. He made Ultron, made him good, that kind of stuff. Or Ultron was bad, and we made him good, or something like that. And so you have these Ultron bots there, which are pretty interesting, but we really have no idea who made them or why. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, again, no Spider Man. Um, no Spider-Man to speak of. There's even an empty Illuminati chair, which they don't really address. Some expect that it would have been Doctor Strange or maybe Mordo's chair. But, um, you know, America Chavez doesn't really know who any of these people are. So it begs the question whether or not there actually are less superheroes than possible. So at least she has not traveled to the Raimi universe with Spider-Man or to the Amazing Spider-Man universe with Andrew Garfield. So didn't really work um, out that way. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that they say in the Illuminati is that um, they kind of go through the story of saying that, you know, Doctor Strange is the greatest threat to the multiverse, which goes against kind of what they set up in uh, um, Loki, which is that uh, actually uh, Loki is the greatest threat to the multiverse. Um, in a certain sense, he's the greatest threat, the, like variant in a certain sense. And so... Um, he's the one who leads it to a multiversal war. And so those seem to kind of rub up against each other. Um, the Illuminati, you know, fighting Wanda, right? They, they said they don't really care about their, the version of Wanda dreamwalking there. Um, I, you know, I, the, the, the deaths were really just horrifically graphic. Um, and I mean that, like, I, you know, it didn't bother me, but like, they are very graphic in terms of like what we expect in terms of villains. Like, you know, John Krasinski shows up as Reed Richards, which everyone has been wanting him to be Reed Richards and Emily Blunt to be Sue Storm and them to be the Fantastic Four together. And he shows up, he's on screen for like five minutes and then gets pulled apart like string cheese and it's really um, disturbing, right? And in some sense, like, I, I didn't like that. I wish they would have used... Because they used uh, Patrick Stewart and Charles Xavier. I wish they would have used the original actor who played Reed Richards uh, in the original Fantastic Four movie. Um, you know, the one with Chris Evans, um, you know, Jessica Alba, uh, those kind of, those actors too. Um, I would have rather seen that because in some sense now, I am programmed to think that John Krasinski is a really weak version of, of Reed Richards. Now, granted, if, if Mr. Fantastic tried to fight Scarlet Witch, I think it would happen a lot like that. But I felt like there was a better way to do that because he dies almost immediately, um, and he just looks like a chump. And so now I associate John Krasinski with this kind of chump version of Reed Richards. Even if they would have used um, the version from the Fan Fantastic Four reboot from a few years ago, um, that would have been better because then when you reintroduce the Fantastic Four in your universe, unless they're just not going to use Reed uh, use John Krasinski. If they're not going to use him, which I think they are, I think they've actually even confirmed that um, somewhere. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. 
but he seems now like a weak kind of guy. Uh, he didn't really seem that smart, and he's supposed to be the smartest guy in the universe. Um, but nonetheless, it just it didn't really seem like a good thing to do with those characters. Now, really cool fight scenes. Uh, you know, Black Bolt yells, shouts out his own skull, which is just horrific and violent. Um, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, that Illum those fight scenes were pretty interesting, especially with Captain Marvel. I would have thought that Captain Marvel would have had a better go of it, but again, it shows you how powerful Wanda vision Wanda is at this point. She's not just driven by the power of the Mind Stone anymore. She actually has the ability to do magic. Uh, cool thing you see, which is a continuity between the cartoons and the comics and um, even the movies to some extent, is the uh, Charles Xavier power to kind of trap someone in their own mind to try and release um, the better part of their nature, right? So, for example, in the third X-Men movie, you hear um, that he takes Jean Grey and kind of compartmentalizes the Phoenix version of her so that Jean Grey can can live. And so, in some sense, like, he, he has that power. Um, so he goes into this uh, this mind and of Wanda, the one who's... Because uh, basically when you get to the... Uh, the Illuminati scenes, Wanda is dreamwalking through the other version of her to fight the Illuminati, um, whilst also existing in another universe. It's kind of like Star, like uh, Luke Skywalker force-projecting across the universe to fight Kylo Ren. Um, it's that level of interesting. But anyway, so Xavier kind of goes into her mind in an attempt to free the Wanda that's a part of the universe that the Illuminati are in. Um, and it's just this really clever scene because if you watch the cartoon, you'll know every time he does that kind of goes into someone's mind, he's wearing a black turtleneck shirt and like dark pants. And that's exactly what he's wearing here. And he's trying to get that version of Wanda out. And again, like, this is why I think this trauma piece is so important to understanding Wanda because she's like when she traps the that version of herself when she's dreamwalking, she traps her in the bombed out bunker that was her home, um, back in uh, um, Sokovia. Um, she she's 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 showing that in her mind she's she's still informed by this, and you see the WandaVision episode playing on the TV and things like that. But it's cool to kind of see this X Men power. Um, but ultimately, Wanda is able to come over it, and she actually ends up killing Xavier. Again, really traumatic to see some of my favorite characters. I love Professor X, and I love Reed Richards, and both of them died like chumps. Um, uh, Captain Carter gets uh, basically cut in half with a shield. Haley Atwell, I think, did a great job um, in, the, in that role. But um, during this time, you know, you got Doctor Strange fist-fighting Mordo. A lot of people made a big deal about this. I didn't really mind it. I thought it was really interesting. Um... You know, and so obviously all the Illuminati dies, all the Ultrons die. Um, Mordo is kind of the last one, right? Because Doctor Strange just kind of leaves him stranded in that room. Wanda chases him and America Chavez. This is where you get some of the great zombie feel scenes. Um, before um, they get to the Book of Ashanti, ultimately Wanda destroys the book. Great bait and switch there. Um, throws uh, Doctor Strange into another parallel universe puts America Chavez in the same universe as her original self so that she can let go of the dreamwalked version of herself. And so, again, good battles here. I thought, again, you get to see more magic of what Doctor Strange can do. 
My favorite battle is kind of like when he gets thrown into another universe, he gets in a fight with a very sinister-looking Doctor Strange who's been very poisoned by the Darkhold. Um, and uh, they have a fight where they throw musical notes at each other, which I think is, is super cool, really unique. Uh, my favorite battle. And, you know, just to summarize to the end, um, he dreams walks back into a zombie version of himself, the, the souls of the damned attack him he uses them as weapons against wanda ultimately can't defeat her um neither him or wong can do it and so um dr strange basically is like uh to america is like you can control your power you don't need to give it to me um just concentrate fighter that's when she blasts her into another universe and much like wandavision you know, a very different kind of ending for a villain fight. Not necessarily maybe Wanda's fight with Agatha, but, um, like, the, the Vision fight, right, is a philosophical debate. Wanda loses this battle not by being beaten to death, not by having her head twisted off like she did with Charles Xavier, not being prisoned or beaten in any kind of magical way, but she's beaten by herself telling her that her children will be taken care of in this universe and they will be loved and it's okay and so she just decides to do the right thing it's the thing that saves her much like in the other stories it's it's her loved ones that save her and sometimes herself even so um you know one of the elements of this piece they're fighting in this cave because uh one of the wizards or one of the sorcerers destroys the dark hold and it doesn't really release its grip on her at that point, she goes to the, the cave where the Darkhold spells exist. And so she decides uh, during this time, like, no one should read the Darkhold anymore. And so she's going to destroy the place where the Darkhold spells are and pulls the, the cave in on itself. And that's when, you know, Doctor Strange, uh, the zombie version, dies again. Uh, and Wong disappears. Uh, America Chavez goes through all the portals to find Doctor Strange. Um... So yeah, uh, that's kind of the movie. Um, the thing that you see at the end is that the Dark Hold, because Doctor Strange has to use it to dreamwalk into his zombie self, has poisoned the the uh, MCU version of Doctor Strange. He has this third eye, which you associate with the sinister version of Doctor Strange, and so we're left with this idea of like, okay, well now this Doctor Strange is poisoned. Is he gonna do what the um, Illuminati version of Doctor Strange um, is gonna do? Um, is he going to continue to wreak violence? Is he going to d cause a convergence and destroy a universe? What's going to happen? We don't know. We don't know. At the end, you've got Clea who shows up, who um, is kind of like Doctor Strange's kind of love interest after Christine Palmer in the comics. She's like a, a version, a variant of Doctor Strange, much like Sylvie is to Loki. And so... You know, they're leading into a more multiversal conflict. Because she says, yeah, you ruined and caused a convergence. Are you going to help me out and fix it? And so he just runs off and helps her, showing that he's still that same Doctor Strange, but impacted by the Darkhold a little bit. We don't know what happens with Wanda. I still don't think she's dead. We don't really know what's going to happen with, with America Chavez. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Wong. All this stuff. So there are a lot of questions that are open-ended. But that's the beauty of Marvel. You've got a lot of different stories you can tell from here. Uh, one thing that's really interesting, because this is going to be um, a crucial thing going forward, because they've already got a Blade um, show in production, um, 
the dark hold apparently had a spell in it that eliminated all vampires in the reality that it's in and apparently when you destroy it it releases that spell and so now vampires exist again i wonder if they're going to bring that up that's in the comic books um and so i wonder if they'll address that i doubt they will but i think that's really interesting another couple of things that are really interesting um story elements because i still think we're heading to the multiversal war but one thing that I thought would show up in this version, or this movie, would be something with Shang-Chi. Because if you watch that movie, you'll know there's that scene where Wong um, is uh, um, fighting the Abomination, right? And they go through a portal somewhere, and ultimately Wong shows up as the Sorcerer Supreme to Shang-Chi to look at the Ten Rings, Um and they're kind of exploring it. There's that panel of people like, you know, Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner trying to figure out what exactly this thing is, is doing. Um, and they talk about it sending a message. It's like a beacon to someone across space. Originally, I thought this meant it was setting up a celestial thing for, for um, Galactus, who's actually not a celestial. I, I know that now. Um, but originally, I thought that's what it was. And that was going to somehow resolve in eternals which was coming out in uh, november i saw shang chi in september and um, eternals was coming out then but that didn't end up being the case and so i thought for sure they were going to wait on the multiversal stuff much m longer because the shang chi was going to pay off in something like a uh, galactus kind of story with the fantastic four and maybe that's the that's still what they're going to do in the meantime like set up kind of a galactus thing kind of like Ultron was a villain as a waypoint to Thanos. Maybe they're doing that. I don't know. But they still haven't really answered that question. Like, what are they going to do with those ten rings? And also, there's there's the whatever the ring is that gives Ms. Marvel her power. That's the next Disney show that's coming out um, here in June. And so, I'm interested to kind of see where they're going from here and how they tie those things together. I hope they don't just abandon it. Um, especially since like Shang-Chi, um, I think was a relative hit and I'm interested to see kind of where they're going to go with him. Um, and Wong was in two movies now. Um, he's in Multiverse of Madness and he was in No Way Home and he played such a big role in terms of connecting Shang-Chi to the MCU that it's kind of been a little shocking that nothing's really come out of this yet. Um, again, I still think we need to let them play the long game, but nonetheless, I think that um, I think this is something that they need to prioritize and maybe explain uh, to us a little bit. But yeah, um, that's all I got. That's not everything in the film, obviously, but the stuff I thought was important uh, and fun. And it was a little disorganized, but it, hopefully, if you're watching this, you're not just doing it because you want to know what happens in the movie and you haven't seen it. Hopefully, you've seen it, and so you can understand exactly how all this fits together, um, kind of for yourself. Um, but yeah, that about wraps us up for today. Um, if you want to leave a review, please do so. It really helps out the podcast. Um, we're going to have another episode covering an element of Star Wars, the sequel trilogy, coming up here soon. Um, the uh, Obi-Wan series drops next week, and so we'll have some reviews of that as we go through it. And then also, um, in the next couple weeks, you'll be seeing our podcast on beasts of no nation i'll be back with kyle for um the next episode of the art house road show so 
Um, lots of stuff coming up, lots of different kinds of things coming up. So if you like more of the art house stuff, there's stuff for you. If you like more big budget stuff, there's stuff for you as well. So uh, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you here next time on the Art House Road Show. Take care, everyone. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Road Show. We'll see you next time.